Hello and good evening. Welcome to Project Poseidon's Channel Aquarius, the show that seeks to take a somewhat rational approach to fringe topics. I'm your host, Dave the Dude, and uh, where I am in Ottawa, Canada, it's late, it's cold out, uh, winter is fast approaching which is leading me to feel like it might be a good idea to hibernate for a few months. Uh, for now, I'm keeping my edge with some freshly brewed coffee and a reasonably high dosage of Adderall. Anyways, um, I welcome you to this broadcast, whoever and wherever you are, and I hope we can have an enlightening time together. Uh, tonight's topic is difficult to broach tastefully. Uh, as I record this, a recent mass shooting in San Bernardino is making the news and capturing the public's attention. Is everything with these seemingly endless incidents, uh, some are saying no. Uh, others are saying that even asking that question is a sign of lunacy and antisocial tendencies. I'd like to explore that a bit and see if we can't find some solid footing in this swamp of confusion. As the news of the shooting was breaking, a uh, friend of mine tried uh, picking a fight with me because I had voiced uh, suspicions about the narrative surrounding the recent attacks in Paris. She uh, accused me of screaming false flag every time there was a tragedy of this nature and implied that maybe me and the rest of the Alex Jones crowd were probably going to descend like opportunistic vultures on this shooting in order to turn it into another uh, tasteless and sordid exercise in imaginative paranoia. <clears throat> now, on the one hand, I sort of saw where she was coming from, and on the other hand, her comments sort of pissed me off. Uh, I'll state my opinion of the matter for the record, and then we'll try to look at what's informing that opinion to see if it makes any sense. Um, so, this is my position. I don't see any reason to suppose that every mass shooting in the United States or abroad is some sort of mind job or social engineering project or intelligence agency black op. I don't think a reasonable person will scream false flag every time something shitty happens somewhere in the world. Uh, on the other hand, given the history of provable and probable false flag events uh, which are woven into the historical narrative by which mainstream orthodox normal people abide, it seems to me to be a completely reasonable and defensible position to have a fairly suspicious attitude towards the media, the public conversation about upsetting events, uh, 
and the political hay that gets made in the aftermath of such tragedies. Um, it is a matter of record that the news has been compromised by intelligence agencies and military programs with propaganda on the menu. Just, you know, look that up. It's on the congressional record, for Christ's sake. Um, I'll, I'll say that again. It, it's a matter of record. The news has been compromised by intelligence agencies and military programs with propaganda on the menu. It is now legally permissible to propagandize American citizens within the United States of America. Uh, now, <clears throat> uh, that's undisputable, I think, but whether or not you're able or willing to accept that, I would uh, opine that, uh, I mean, it's simply a matter of being uh, any kind of astute observer to notice uh, that what does pass for news in most of the Western world is absolute shit. Um, look, hell, uh, just Google um, Ed Bernays, B-E-R-N-A-Y-S, and read up about him for a few minutes. Let it sink in a bit. You know, the the fix seems to have been in for a while now. It's uh, it's mostly, I think, a matter of acceptance to come to an understanding that the majority of us have been, uh, I think, conditioned to be duped, and that just about everything we tell ourselves about what we're doing is a delusion. Uh, questioning the orthodox historical narratives by which our civilization sets its moral compass is heresy. Uh, as anyone who's made a habit of doing in public has found out, we're pretty far down that slippery slope by now. Um, in the UK, uh, people are now being told that their kids may be radicalized terrorists if they don't uh, trust the government and don't believe in television the dreaded epithet conspiracy theorist is wielded with derision to marginalize the opinions of those who are dissatisfied with taking those narratives at face value. And uh, <clears throat> while the so-called truther scene is indeed filled with what seems to be uh, whack jobs and crackpots and otherwise unglued individuals. I think that in this day and age of mass confusion, it is forgivable to be lost in the currents of delusion and paranoia. If the uh, so-called fourth estate was doing its job properly, then so-called conspiracy theorists would have very little of substance to obsess over. Alex Jones and David Icke and others of their ilk are making their living as a direct result of the complete absence of hard investigative journalism in the Western world. 
In other words, we've been fucking lied to so much about everything, it's pretty hard to know what's true these days. So give a brother a break while he tries to figure shit out. It, uh, it used to be considered crazy to question the veracity of the news. I think we can let go of that now. Uh, in the modern world, uh, it would seem to me uh, it would be crazy not to question the veracity of the news. So, uh, that's my opinion, for whatever it's worth. Uh, let's see if I can back it up a bit here. Um, uh, have some coffee first. <coughs> um, a movie was made called Wag the Dog, with Robert De Niro playing the part of a spin doctor who coordinates with Hollywood accomplices to stage fake events on television for social engineering purposes. I think the major difference between someone like myself and your average person is that I think that movie pretty much depicts the normal state of affairs in the Western world. Uh, how and why that movie got made is a bit beyond me. Uh, something about hiding the truth in plain sight, maybe. Uh, what is a false flag, then? Well, let's check Wikipedia first of all. Mm. Mm. Well, it seems to be a controversial subject. Uh, citations needed. Attention from an expert on the subject needed. Well, well, well. Um, yeah, the entry itself reads... Um, the contemporary term false flag describes covert operations that are designed to deceive in such a way that the operations appear as though they are being carried out by entities, groups, or nations other than those who actually planned and executed them. Historically, the term false flag has its origins in naval warfare, where the use of a flag other than the belligerent's true battle flag as a ruse de guerre before engaging the enemy has long been accepted. Operations carried out during peacetime by civilian organizations, as well as covert government agencies, can by extension also be called false flag operations if they seek to hide the real organization behind an operation. Alright, so... <coughs> pardon me. The uh, simplest definition of a false flag is an event in which the actual perpetrators and the reported or blamed perpetrators are different. Uh, the concept itself seems to have become uh, unreasonably stigmatized as heresy in recent years, largely because of fallout from the 9-11 truth movement and emotional fallout from tragedies at Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, and other such incidents. Uh, those who have listened to this podcast before are probably aware that my own experiences with 
uh, namely the fact that I was in contact with someone from the Pentagon who told me the war on terror was in the planning stages at least a year prior to that, uh, have colored my opinion of that event and have me leaning heavily towards the conclusion that it was indeed a manufactured event of sorts. But uh, don't take my word for it. Let's see if we can find any historic examples of so-called false flag events. Uh, let's see here. Ah, there, that didn't take long. Uh, an article by one Sebastian Swift titled, Five Confirmed False Flag Events and How to Spot Them in the Future. Alright, let's see here. Number one. Operation Gladio was a post-World War II program established by the CIA, NATO, and possibly Britain's MI6 to fight communism in Europe by whatever means necessary. The two-decade operation used CIA-created stay-behind networks as part of a strategy of tension that unleashed a multitude of terrorist attacks from the late 1960s to the early 1980s. The attacks were blamed on Marxists and other left-wing political opponents in order to discredit communism. The operation involved multiple bombings that killed hundreds of innocent people, including children, uh, the most notable attack was the August 2nd, 1980 bombing of the Bologna train station, which killed 85 people. How do we know about Operation Gladio in spite of its incredibly clandestine nature? There are two principal sources. One, the investigations of Italian Judge Felice... Uh, Felice? I don't know how to pronounce an Italian name, but... Uh, Felice Casson, Italian Judge... Uh, whose presentation was so compelling it forced Italian Prime Minister uh, Giulio Andriotti to confirm Gladio's existence. The second source is testimony from an actual Gladio operative, Vincenzo Vinciguerra, who is serving a life sentence for murder. In a 1990 interview with The Guardian, Vincenzo stated that Gladio uh, was designed to psychologically coerce the Italian public to rely on the state for security. Alright, on to number two. In 1953, uh, the CIA launched Operation Ajax in order to overthrow Iran's democratically elected leader, Mohammad Mossadegh, and replace him with the Shah, a ruthless dictator. The United States sought to depose Iran's nationalized Anglo-Persian oil company and install U.S. oil companies to take over the nation's oil fields. In order to do so, they staged a false flag operation that utilized propaganda and complex political maneuvers in order to create public revolt that eventually led to the United States and Britain's MI6 military intelligence reinstalling the Shah in order to throttle Iran's oil supplies and transform the nation into a puppet regime of the United States government. Uh, <clears throat> most information relevant to the CIA-sponsored coup is declassified now and available in the CIA archives. The CIA described its 
<coughs> Operation Ajax. Thusly, the world has paid a heavy price for the lack of democracy in most of the Middle East. Operation Ajax taught tyrants and aspiring tyrants that the world's most powerful governments were willing to tolerate limitless oppression as long as oppressive regimes were friendly to the West and to Western oil companies. That helped tilt the political balance in a vast region away from freedom and toward dictatorship. Alright, uh, next we have something called COINTELPRO. Uh, according to this article, COINTELPRO was a series of clandestine illegal FBI projects that infiltrated domestic political organizations to discredit and smear them. This included critics of the Vietnam War, civil rights leaders like Dr. Martin Luther King, and a wide variety of activists and journalists. The acts committed against them included psychological warfare, slander using forged documents and false reports in the media, harassment, wrongful imprisonment, and according to some, intimidation, and possibly violence and assassination. A U.S. Congressional Committee documented the false flag component of the campaign, describing how the FBI had hired provocateurs from the 1950s through the 1970s to commit criminal and violent acts and falsely blame them on political activists. The campaign worked extremely effectively at disrupting the progressive momentum of the era. Despite being formally discontinued, new permutations of COINTELPRO have persisted and include present-day efforts to undermine activists, whistleblowers, and protests. In fact, a 2012 article published by The Guardian described the FBI's crackdown on the Occupy movement as a totally integrated corporate state repression of dissent. Okay, and uh, then there's the Gulf of Tonkin incident. Let's see here. Um, the Gulf of Tonkin incident, a major escalator of U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War, never actually occurred. The government essentially staged, or at the very least utilized, a patently false report in order to manufacture a geopolitical narrative with a ready-made enemy, the North Vietnamese. The original incident, also sometimes referred to as the USS Maddox incident, involved the destroyer USS Maddox supposedly engaging three North Vietnamese Navy torpedo boats as part of an intelligence patrol. The Maddox fired almost 300 shells. Um, President Lyndon B. Johnson promptly drafted the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, which became his administration's uh, legal justification for military involvement in Vietnam. The problem is the event never happened, and Johnson had no reason to believe it had. In 2005, a declassified internal national security agency study revealed that there were no North Vietnamese naval vessels present during the incident. So what was the Maddox firing at? Well, in 1965, President Johnson commented, for all I know, our Navy was shooting at whales out there. Uh, the NSA's own historian, Robert J. Hanyuk, wrote a report stating that the agency had deliberately distorted intelligence reports in 1964. 
he concluded uh, that, quote, the parallels between the faulty intelligence on Tonkin Gulf and the manipulated intelligence used to justify the Iraq War make it all the more th worthwhile to re-examine the events of August 1964. Ah. Alright. So, um, that's, that's four of five, um, false flag events that this article covers. Uh, I think you get the point. Um, having taken this all in, I guess what comes to my mind is, um, how could a sane person doubt that this kind of thing is still going on. If you take this information in and yet maintain that it somehow doesn't inform the kind of things going on behind the scenes today, can you really call yourself a thoughtful person? Doesn't it seem like maybe those who would consider themselves astute observers and critical thinkers should probably greet narratives served up by the government and the media with just a shred of suspicion. Uh, especially when the government and the media have been caught lying repeatedly. Yeah. Um, this article uh, continues with some bullet points about how to spot false flag events when they happen. Uh, it seems they are pretty astute. Um, for starters, <coughs> there is an immediate comprehensive narrative, including a convenient culprit, uh, law enforcement, government agencies, and the mainstream media immediately proffer a narrative that completely explains the event and encourages citizens to lie, uh, to tie, uh, sorry, their intellectual understanding of the tragedy to the emotions they experience. In the, his lecture at Contact in the Desert, Richard Dolan noted that a distinguishing characteristic of a false flag operation is that the official narrative is not questioned by the media. There are often legislative, ideological, and social-political power plays waiting in the wings, which the government can immediately implement. The most striking example of this is the Patriot Act, which was written well before 9-11, but seemed to correlate entirely with the events that had transpired. Uh, the official narrative has obvious domestic and geopolitical advantages for the governing body. This is point two. The Bush administration used 9-11 to usher in the War on Terror, so-called, uh, which has served as a linchpin for countless civil liberty infringements by the national security state, including ubiquitous domestic surveillance and indefinite detention. It also directly paved the way for an invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq countries that had nothing to do with the attacks, uh, allowing our government and defense contractors to control the natural gas pipelines and oil fields. This bears a striking resemblance to Operation Ajax. Uh, next point. Military training drills 
and police drills occur on the day of and very near the attack itself, causing confusion to obscure eyewitness testimony and allowing orchestrators to plant both patsies, disinformation, and backup operatives. This is no small point. An incredible percentage of major domestic or international terror attacks have involved simultaneous training drills. Uh, this list includes, but is not limited to, the infamous NORAD drills of 9-11, the 7-7 London bombings, the 2011 Norway shooting, the Aurora shooting, Sandy Hook, and the Boston Marathon. Uh, though none of the aforementioned events can be confirmed or denied uh, to be false flag events without a doubt, uh, they bear a striking resemblance to previous false flag attacks and should be looked at with an investigative eye. This, um, this was, by the way, true of the recent Paris attacks as well. Uh, there were active shooter drills the day of, apparently, uh, and it would seem that this recent shooting in California is also in that club. So, Yes, uh, pretty much the first thing I do when I hear about a shooting happening is check to see if there is an active shooter drill going on at the time. And so far, uh, very seldom am I disappointed. Um, Alright, final point. The narrative behind the attack serves to leverage emotions like fear as well as patriotism in order to manufacture consent around a previously controversial issue. For example, many of the recent domestic terror attacks, including the Aurora shooting, have exacerbated and reinforced advocacy of gun control legislation. Uh, says the article. Okay. Um, so... <coughs> Let me stand back from this a bit and acknowledge that asking a person to seriously consider that the majority of critical incidents in recent history have been manufactured, this is a big step to take, a large and bitter pill to swallow. It means that most of us are dupes who have been taken for a ride our whole lives. And so, uh, reflexively, most of us will demand to be shown proof. And, of course, because of cognitive dissonance and the backfire effect, most of us will recoil from reason and good judgment in defense of our belief in the narrative we are committed to, uh, when shown evidence that would call it into question. Um, proof is a funny thing anyways. Uh, even in science, you can't really prove things. Um, pardon me. Karl Popper advance the notion that falsification, not verification, was needed to establish valid claims to knowledge. So, 
Uh, can we then provide evidence that falsifies, for example, the mainstream narrative emerging around this most recent shooting in California? Uh, if we look around a bit, it would seem that yes, we can quite easily. It would seem that the CBS Evening News actually interviewed uh, an eyewitness to the shooting, uh, one Sally Abdul Magid, who, when asked to describe the gunman, replied, I couldn't see his face. He had a black hat on, and from my view, all that I could see uh, was a black hat and black long sleeve shirt, possibly gloves on. Um, he had black cargo pants on, the kind with the zippers on the side and the big puffy pockets. He had a huge assault rifle, and he had extra ammo. He was coming ready for he was coming ready for something to reload. I don't know. He had several magazines. Um, I couldn't see what else. I just saw three dressed exactly the same. The CBS interviewer then asked her, You're certain that you saw three men? To which uh, Ms. Abdel Magid replied, Yes. It looked like their skin color was, yeah, was white. They looked like they were athletic build, and um, they appeared to be tall. Okay, so three tall, athletic, white men. Uh, can this account be corroborated? Uh, yes, it can. On Twitter, Fox News Los Angeles reported that the suspects are white males in military gear uh, and armed with rifles. The tweet read, uh, Reports of an active shooter in San Bernardino. Police looking for three white males dressed in military gear. At least 20 injured. Mark Stutt, whose daughter was at the scene, said, She went to the restroom and she called me. She was huddled up in the restroom, and three gunmen came in, and they started shooting people, colleagues that I work with. Uh-huh. <coughs> All right, there's three people, apparently. Now, as the press descended upon the scene, police began to insert themselves between witnesses and reporters. Not only did they threaten witnesses by telling them not to talk to the press, but they were seen on live TV physically pushing witnesses and press away from each other. Uh, another strange facet to this already shitty story was the fact that a SWAT team was holding an active shooter drill right next to where the shootings began. San Bernardino Police Department Lieutenant Richard Lawhead confirmed that their SWAT team happened to be conducting training nearby. The team was suited, ready to roll, and responded rapidly, according to Lawhead. So, ask yourself this. Why is it that, um, you know, three different sources say there were three men, uh, tall, athletic, white men, in full body armor, who carried this attack out?
so why is it that almost immediately afterwards the media uh, decided to completely ignore this and run with the narrative that these killings were carried out by a husband and wife Bonnie and Clyde team one of whom was a 90 pound woman According to the lawyer retained by the alleged shooter's family, witnesses and investigators have both described a terrorist onslaught carried out with military precision by subjects who were trained and capable. <coughs> Farouk and his wife, Tashfeen Malik, didn't appear to have the necessary background and skill set. Uh, shockingly, he even alleged that Farouk and Tashfeen's bodies were found handcuffed and shot full of holes. Uh, then, the same day that the attorney for the family insisted that the official story was full of holes, the FBI allowed dozens of reporters to trample and destroy the crime scene and make uh, and made zero arrests. Um, so, you know, look, does all this add up? Um, whether your answer to that is yes or no, uh, I would ask you in all sincerity, do you think that the people who look on this event with suspicion are really off their rocker? Because, you know, it seems to me that it is completely reasonable to at least think this event smells somewhat funny. To not have questions in the face of these gross indiscrepancies in the official narrative seems rather unreasonable to tell the truth. The... Bonnie and Clyde mugshots of the couple kind of took the cake for me. It seems to me they always have deranged mugshots of dead perpetrators to go along with these events. Um, are there other examples? Uh, sure. Remember the shooting at the Virginia TV station earlier this year? The grieving family members of the deceased appear to have been actors. Video of at least one of them appearing in a Raisin Bran commercial is circulating in so-called conspiracy theorist circles on the internet. Um, if you want to look into Sandy Hook more carefully... There's a lot of weird things about it. Uh, I remember very distinctly when that uh, happened. Jeez, three years ago now, I guess. And looking into it, and just, you know, to me it was so obvious there was something weird. Um, uh, but I couldn't convince anybody of it, you know. Uh, one of the grieving parents is seen laughing and smiling while he thinks he's off camera. Uh, the medical examiner seems to be completely out of his mind uh, there's a video of a camouflage suspect fleeing the scene and then being put into a police cruiser after being captured 
Uh, and remember that the shooting was alleged to have been carried out by a lone gunman, another 90-pound weakling, who somehow, while loaded with pounds of ammunition and weaponry, executed a murderous plan with admirable tactical efficiency, despite having no training. Um, and of course, there's no bodies. No evidence of any bodies. And I mean, if you go back and look at coverage of the... Um, Uh, the Columbine shootings from 1990, you know, just day and night, like, it's so, you know, like, and I, I don't need to see blood splattered all over the place or anything like that, but, uh, the footage from, uh, Columbine was really raw, and it was clear that something terrible had gone on there, you know, and, and yet the footage from Sandy Hook was just, like, completely, I don't know, it looked like people doing a fire drill. It was just bizarre. Um, uh, prior to that, the shooting at the Colorado movie theater, uh, eyewitness testimony once again did not match the official narrative given by police and the media. And uh, this recent shooting in Paris, well, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, in Paris, there was a so-called mass casualty simulated exercise being carried out at the same time as the shootings there. So, um, just raises my eyebrows, I guess. Okay, so, look, let's suppose for a minute, just as an act of imagination kind of exercise, Let's suppose these are engineered events. Uh, Kibono, who benefits? Well, I think that's a good question, and one that's not easily answered. Although uh, Obama, uh, some short time ago, was on the air talking about a, uh, quote, new phase of the terrorist threat in response to the California shooting. So... Um, you know, some political hay is indeed being made of this uh, most recent event. Many of those who are aware of this fishiness, ongoing fishiness, think the purpose is to get the middle class to beg to have their guns taken away. I wonder myself if that's a reasonable assumption. Um, this is kind of funny. The actor, Steven Seagal, seems to think so. In an interview with RT, he said, uh, not going to attempt an impression here, oh, maybe I will, I believe in the Second Amendment and our Constitution more than anything in the world. And I think that Adolf Hitler, for example, when he wanted to annihilate the people of Germany, the first thing he did was to take away their guns. And the right to bear arms wasn't just to protect the people from foreign invaders, it was to protect them from evil governments and anyone that would violate their inherited rights as human beings. Uh, he continues, he says, uh, I believe that, and I hate to say this, a lot of these mass murders and all this funny stuff that's going on, I believe a lot of this is engineered. So, like Seagal, 
Uh, many truthers, as they like to call themselves, claim the government uh, uses either CIA operatives or patsies controlled by MK Ultra style psyops in order to foment violence so abhorrent that Americans will be forced to embrace gun control legislation. They believe the end game of such an insidious scheme is to disarm the general population in advance of extensive martial law or indefinite FEMA detention. Uh, well, I actually wonder if um, some of what we're seeing going on isn't just uh, black ops propaganda teams running live practice sessions or spending money to justify their budgets, sort of like construction companies repaving roads that don't need to be, re to be repaved. You know, maybe it's just social engineers pushing buttons. Are these events complete fakes, or are they staging real shootings and then blaming patsy victims? Maybe a mixture of both. The black art of the propagandist, after all, is to mix truth with lies. It's a little bit like trying to see how a magician does his tricks. What's going on behind the curtain? I don't know where I finally fall on the issue. Um, you know, I generally don't like to take positions on things where I'm not really uh, informed. And it's hard to be informed about this kind of thing apparently because there's just so much bullshit out there but you know um, it does seem to me if I had to bet money on it I guess that something's really rotten in the state of Denmark I don't know how else to put it what's really really discouraging to me is how easy it apparently is to fool the masses this is why I don't watch the television anymore. Uh, a box that brings propaganda and advertising right to your living room? No, thank you. I like to think that one of the main reasons I'm able to cast uh, a somewhat critical eye toward these things is that I'm not being brainwashed on a daily basis by a hypnoscreen. In the final analysis, you will have to do your own research and come to your own conclusions. But if you're going to call me a conspiracy theorist because I'm willing to look at the data when you're not, then I'm afraid I have limited sympathy with your point of view. That will be all for tonight, I think. I um, hope I didn't shake you up or disturb you too much with this material. It is a bit of a sobering realization, I think, to come to grips with just how fucked up our society is. The question that's left hanging, I guess, 
is what can I do about it? Well, I don't think any of us can do anything about it right now, except be aware of it. But as you get comfortable asking questions about the world around you, maybe you can get others asking questions too. My coffee's almost done and I can hear sleep siren call. No amount of caffeine can keep this guy awake. Uh, so, until next time, uh, I'm your buddy, Dave the Dude, hoping in all sincerity that we can wake up before it's too late. Turn your damn TVs off. Seriously. You know? Listen to nice new age music or something. Take up art. I think you're all pretty swell. Don't die on me. Until next time then. Good night. What do you think of what happened in Boston? When we were looking oh, for a pressure cooker and two teenagers, you know, and then they took over the whole city and shut it down. And to me, that looked a whole lot like martial law. Yeah. Um, oh, God, I can't believe. See, this is why I didn't want to give this talk, because I knew that we have this conversation. And now it's on the record. All right. Let me take a step back. And No, no, you ha we have to deal with it. Let me take a step back and a deep breath, because this is a very painful thing to talk about. Um, so... All over the world, we know, it's well established, uh, the State Department intelligence agencies engage in theater, and it's what they do, it's spycraft, to create um, spectacles and events that people may not realize are spectacles and events, but that, well, like the, um, the overthrow of Mossadegh in the 50s in Iran. Uh, it, they, they'll funnel money to protesters, they'll, you know, fly people in to infiltrate protesters, they'll create fake newspapers, and so on. So we know that this happens in countries around the world. I believe that a law has been passed in the United States, I think it's part of the Defense Authorization Act, I need to confirm this, that, pardon me, now makes it legal to propagandize American citizens. Is that, do we know about that? Yeah, it's true. And is it in the NDAA or is it in something else? Do we know? It's a separate bill. It's a separate bill. And it's been passed. It's now law? Do we know what the name Two years ago. Do we know what the name of it is? I don't remember, but I reported on it. Oh, thank you. Will you send me the link? Yeah. Thank you. So what this means is, and I, you know, as a journalist to say these words, just I can't tell you with what a heavy heart I say them, but we've entered an era in which it is not crazy to assess news events to see if they're real or not real. And in the United States as well as overseas. And in fact, it's kind of crazy not to. Now, you know, there's so much uh, hype about what I just said, and, and so I want to be very clear about it so it can't be taken out of context. <clears throat> you know, there's... <clears throat> pardon me, this kind of reflexive vilification of anyone speculating about that because they become a conspiracy theorist, right? Well, just bear with me. You know, I've often thought about this because 
our intelligence agencies, and for I respect spies. I mean, you know, who are doing like before it got out of control. I believe we need intelligence. I believe we need intelligence agencies. I don't think there's anything dishonorable about being in the intelligence services if you obey the Constitution and the law. Um, but all over the world, our intelligence services are engaged in conspiring to create outcomes. That's their job. That's how they're successful. So <clears throat> now that it's illegal to propagandize in the United States, uh, it doesn't surprise me that there's more and more um, products coming up in popular culture, more and more events in the news stream that seem to be, to my eye, to be subsidized. Uh, let me give you some examples of that. I'm not talking about Boston right now. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. We also talked earlier about infiltrators, right, and how they provoke violence. This is well established. So if we know that infiltrators by the police, NYPD, they've been documented, or other police forces, dress up like people they're not and provoke violence, why is it unthinkable that there might be spectacles that might drive an outcome in the news stream? Let me give you a couple of quick examples. And all I'm saying is we unfortunately, and I have to say this to my fellow journalists as well, we've entered a time in which we need to be very skeptical about the news stream and look at it critically and ask for more verification and more inquiry. And that's just being good reporters. And it makes it like this, there's spectacle fed into the news media in China. There's spectacle fed into, like Chile. How did Pinochet, you know, engage in his coup? He created uh, photographs of a cache of weapons that the terrorists had, you know, hidden. Was it real? Was it not? Most historians think it wasn't. I mean, this is like not unusual, you know, in the process of creating a closed society. So, if laws have made it legal to assassinate American citizens and legal to propagandize them, why should it be crazy or weird to think that that might be for a reason, right? All right. I saw the movie uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Thank you very much. And I have worked on two presidential campaigns, so I recognize political talking points. And I wrote a piece saying, this reads like the Pentagon signed off on the script. Because there were like chunks of political talking points identifiable to anyone who's worked in Washington. Right? And you don't come up with those if you're a writer writing a screenplay. Um, and everyone was very upset. It was very controversial and scandalous. But in fact, belatedly, a news story came out saying that in fact the Pentagon had, I think, subsidized some of it, but had certainly consulted directly on the script. And I see more and more TV shows about the CIA and more and more TV shows about spies and gigantic blockbusters in which surveillance is normalized and gigantic blockbusters in which people are tortured to get them to talk in a way that might exonerate people who actually tortured people to get them to talk in Guantanamo. And there's all this money being pumped into these unaccountable, you know, terrorism-fighting things, and now there's no law preventing that money from going through front organizations right into popular culture. So that's of interest to me. And so another thing I want to say, and there's so many people waiting to ask a question, but I just need to say this, is I'm skeptical of certain news events that seem more theatrical than the norm. 
or I want to ask questions about them. Because I was in CNN once recently, and they were reporting a story about a water skier who had been decapitated on a lake between Mexico and the United States, and it had something to do with ter you know, a terrorism threat. Right? And I was like, decapitated water skier. Sometimes you hear these things and it's like so novelistic. You're like, real life doesn't work that way. Like these are so novelistic. Someone's coming up with it to make it stick in the popular imagination. Or it just makes you think, well, I'd like to document that. I'm a reporter. What's the source? And I, and it kept being just this one guy, Judge Arpajo in Texas. I may be mispronouncing his name. He's a very, cons uh, yes. Our, yeah, he was the source, he was the source, he was the source. And I have this wonderful Facebook community all over the world. And I went on Facebook and I'm like, Mexican Facebook community, is there any reporting about a beheaded water skier in this lake, in this place in Mexico? And they're like, no, there's, what are you talking about? And there's nothing like that. There's, doesn't exist. So I turned to the CNN producer and said, do you have a second source for this story? And it was all over the news, all over the news, all over the news. And they're like, uh, and they checked, and it's like, nope, just this guy, judge, whatever. And I'm like, well, can you find a second source? And they were blushing and embarrassed, and they looked, and they confessed that they didn't have a second source, which if you know what journalism is, you're <laughs> supposed to doc, you know, confirm it with two sources. So ever since that experience, CNN is running with this. No one's verifying it. Journalists aren't in a position to follow up on anything anymore, because budgets are slashed and there's no investigative reporting. Um, all this nonsense can enter the media stream for purposes that have to do with advancing agendas, because no one's checking. That's all I want to say about that. Um, can I take more questions? I, so Boston, I, I guess my feeling about any of these things is, let's investigate. We need to investigate. We need to ask better questions. We need to interview the doctors at the hospital. We need to interview the victims. We need to you know, get all the footage ourselves. We need to train journalists, citizens to be journalists and to have websites. And I'm, I'm busy building one as a startup where citizen journalists can document events so that we're not leaving it to the gatekeepers.